Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. You're tuning into what I think is the best resource for how to grow your business, all the actionable practical advice you need to do business better. I'm your host, Blake Benz, been running the podcast for, oh my gosh, a little over five years now, and we're continuing to share good advice, right? I'm trying to see how many times I can say good advice in this intro, but all I have to say, whether you are a first time listener or a long time listener, I can tell you, we're going to be talking about some things that I think you're going to be able to really resonate with when it comes to decisions you make with your own business. So all that and more is on today's episode. We're actually going to be talking about a story I came across, a story I did not know. You might actually know it. I did not know this story. The story of the Pontiac Aztec, the most, probably like the biggest flop of a car design to hit General Motors in recent years. We're going to talk more about this story on the show, but first... Before we dive in, we have a quick word from one of the amazing businesses that sponsor the podcast. We appreciate those businesses that keep the podcast going week after week. Of course, if you ever thought about sponsoring your own business on the podcast, you can reach out Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. And if you're enjoying the podcast, hey, make sure you're following us. Subscribe to the podcast. You keep getting our updates week after week. Okay, I'm done. There's my pitch. (laughs) I'll be back in just a few minutes and we'll keep chatting. We talk to all sorts of business owners on the podcast, and one of the most common trends is business owners who just, for whatever reason, didn't fit in the corporate environment. A lot of entrepreneurs are seeking something, they're seeking an answer, and they're trying to figure out the simple question of, how do I fit in the world? And more importantly, is there a way to make a living that doesn't involve the traditional nine to five job? One of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to entrepreneurs is, hey, you got to learn about who you are, what drives you, your motivation. That's why I want to tell you about this book, Your Turning Point, 33 Questions for Transformation. I love the impact I've been able to make through Good Advice and the Good Advice podcast, but that would not have been doable without taking an honest assessment of who I was today and who I wanted to be tomorrow. Go to the website, the33questions.com, and get yourself a copy of Your Turning Point by Stephen J. Blank, and let's continue on this road for transformation together. Again, the website is the33questions.com, where you can buy your book today. So I want to talk today about a story that I came across. Uh, I didn't actually know about this car, the history of this car. And I think it's a pretty interesting insight on the importance of really listening to your customers and not necessarily doing things just because you want to do them. Now, many of us as entrepreneurs, we make decisions every day, excuse me, about the future of our business. And more often than not, we're trying to make the right decision that can position us as business owners to do the best we can in whatever economy we're part of. Now, keeping that in mind, Sometimes we don't always make the right decisions. In fact, if you are like me, you probably make a lot more wrong decisions than you do right decisions. That's just the nature of the game, right? 
Uh, often you think you know what you should do. In fact, many times, I mean, oh gosh, I, I think about even the early days of good advice, the early days of even the podcast. And in some cases, I even cringe a little bit thinking, oh, I know exactly what I need to do. And then in hindsight being like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? I, in fact, I remember I spent something like, I think around $10,000 on Facebook advertising thinking, oh, this is, this is a no brainer. Like I need to do this. And in hindsight, it was a horrific decision. It was an awful decision uh, that I, unfortunately, I can't get that money back. I can't get that, uh, those decisions back, but it was a costly mistake that taught me a lot about uh, my advertising, my business decisions. You get it. Well, I came across the story of this car and I want to talk a little bit about this one um, if you ever saw the show Breaking Bad, you would have seen uh, the main character driving this car. It's the Pontiac Aztec coming from General Motors. This car has gone down in history as, well, I don't want to spoil it. If if you don't know what I'm getting at, maybe you already do know. Maybe you're like, oh yeah, the Pontiac Aztec. But let me give you a little history about this car, okay? This was a car that was released in the early 2000s, I think 2002. And when this car was unveiled, there was some pretty mid-underwhelmed uh, criticism of the design of this car. Uh, this was designed to ultimately be um, and you know, give me the, the benefit of the doubt here and that I'm, I'm taking what I've learned and now sharing it with you. So I have not like written a paper on the Pontiac Aztec, but ultimately, uh, it was, it was an SUV. And I think from what I understand, they really wanted it to be this really cool car that Gen Xers would love to buy. So all that to say, it gets unveiled, unveiled around the uh, turn of the century, around the year 2000 or so. Well, unfortunately, what ended up happening was the car was forecasted to sell about 75,000 units in its first year. For GM to break even, it needed to sell at least 30,000 cars, well, what they actually sold in their first year of sales was just around $27,000. And unfortunately, that first year was their best-selling year with the vehicle. They sold around that number in 2003. Uh, they sold about 30% less in 2004. They only sold 5,000 units in 2005. And then the car was um, basically done for after that point. So how did we get here? How did we get to the point of a popular uh, company releasing a new car model that ultimately flopped? Well, let's back up a little bit. In the early days when the car was first unveiled, uh, it was, and from what I understand, it was unveiled around like screaming young adults who were so excited about it, who turned out to be paid actors. <laughs> so people weren't actually excited about it. It was just like, Hey, I'm going to throw money at you and you're going to yell and cheer. But separate from that, there were some focus groups 
that happened leading up to this car being ultimately released. The focus groups were so negative about this car. They were so negative about the design of this car that, in fact, one participant supposedly said, I wouldn't even take this car as a gift. If you gave it to me, I wouldn't want it. That's how bad this car was received. Now, if you listen to the podcast long term, you you would know that we've we've talked a lot about customer feedback on the podcast. We've talked about the importance of customer feedback. We've talked about if you're going to grow your business in a meaningful way, it has to be guided and directed by your customers, not necessarily your ego or, you know, and this is very common, by the way, <clears throat> that the business that you intended to start isn't always the business you end up scaling because your business evolves and it develops as you continue to build it and grow it, you know, and, and sometimes this is even like you were selling X product and then five years later, you're selling an entirely different product. That's an offshoot of this little feature that your product originally had, but no one actually, you know, no one actually wanted the full product. They just really wanted that tiny little thing. I've mentioned this before about someone who came on the podcast who they sell effectively like meeting journals for like corporations. Well, what they started selling was like this large, like, here's how you run a meeting program to improve efficiency. And corporations were like, Hey, we actually really like the journal. Like, can we buy that? And then they ended up pivoting and going all in on that journal. So, what you start to sell isn't always what you're actually selling down the road. And in other cases, you know, your product, it, it just evolves in terms of how you talk about it, um, the deliverables that, that come along with it. Um, the, the, sometimes, sometimes this is like the time constraints around your product. Um, all of this can change over time. But ideally, that kind of stuff is guided by your most important asset, your customers. What happens sometimes, though, is every now and then you come across a business owner who's not so keen on their customer's advice. I told a story one time of a business owner who was bleeding customers, and he had gotten some pretty harsh feedback about his, uh, his store, and in fact, as he was going through the feedback, he effectively yelled, well, if they don't like what I'm doing, they can go somewhere else. And I've always loved this story because I, I just think about the irony of, of well, yeah, that, that's the point. They are going somewhere else. That's why your business is failing. They, they don't like what you're selling. This isn't the first time a business, owner's ha a business owner has said this. It's, it's common for people's ego, which by the way, this is a bit understandable. I mean, you put a lot into your business. There's blood, sweat, and tears, right? This conversation comes up when it comes to management too. You know, when business owners get mad about their hourly employees, they don't love the business like they do. And it's like, well, of course they don't love it like you do. They haven't built it like you have. That's not, that's not a slight towards your employees, but it is a slight to you if you're mad that they aren't as engaged or they don't care about the business like you do. Why would they? It's not their business. Does that make sense? In the same way, it's amazing to me, business owners who can't seem to understand the concept 
of despite why you started the business and all the emotion that's gone into growing the business at the end of the day, the market will decide the value of your business. There's this expression, the customer is always right. And a lot of people think that this expression is all about customer service. In fact, we've all, we've all heard stories of the angry customer who's being totally unmanageable. And they say, well, you know, the customer is always right, you know, to try to convince the, the person, you know, working the front desk or the cash register or whatever to do whatever they're asking them to do. And so they say the customer is always right, you know, well, this really isn't actually what the expression came from where the expression originally came from is this concept that your customer will dictate if there's actually value in your product or not. The customer is right. The customer will verify that. Yes, that is worth spending money on. Now I'm going to speak a little bit out of both sides of my mouth here because I've also talked about how I really hate the expression, um, the, uh, what's the thing with Henry Ford? Um, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And this is like, it's not like a slight, but it's ultimately like a, a comment around how customers are stupid or they don't know what they want. You can't rely on them to know where to take your business. And I, I really think that's kind of tiresome. Um, I don't think your customers always know what the product should look like but they typically do know their pain very well and they do know they want their pain solved. They just don't always know what is the means of solving that on the same token. I mentioned I was going to speak out the same side of my mouth. I read yesterday about, um, Oh man, what's it called? Um, I, I literally just read this headline. Hang on some video game. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Some video game, uh, and, and I apologize, I literally just read this headline yesterday, so there may be some details that are slightly um, off here, so I do apologize for that. This video game called The Day Before, it's like this post-apocalyptic, you know, zombie type of game. This was apparently the most pre-ordered game on Steam. Steam is basically the online marketplace that you can buy this game, and then and not to talk down to anyone, but pre-ordering it is basically like I'm buying, I'm buying it in advance of it coming out. Right. So this game gets paid for. Um, it's the number one, most download or, or pre-ordered game or something like that. Uh, well, what ends up happening is the day the game comes out, the company actually announces they're shutting down. Uh, so the game never gets released. Uh, so while on one hand I say that customers, Hey, listen to your customers, they, you know, they're not stupid. Then you also have situations like this where customers are, um, abused and scammed, uh, which is really unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And, and that's not necessarily the customer's fault. I mean, there's a level of like, Hey, you should do your research before you pay for anything. Uh, but you know, unfortunately that's, it, it just is what it is. Right. So all that to say, getting back to my point. You have to run a business that relies on the feedback of your customer. So you have this person, you have this feedback for the Pontiac Aztec on things like, I wouldn't even take it as a gift, some very negative criticism around the car. Well, what, what was then the response by GM leadership to this? What do you think their response was? Was it, oh, wow, they know a thing or two. We should revise the design of this car. Hey, it doesn't seem like people really like this the way we want them to. We got to go back to the drawing board. You know, that's not what happened. 
there are deadlines and it must be done by this point and we got to keep shareholders happy and we've promised yada yada you know it's never about the quality it's always about like meeting the quota right which is probably a whole nother podcast episode entirely about quotas and quality what gm leadership said in response to this harsh feedback was what do those a-holes know what do those a-holes know yikes wow so you have harsh feedback you have leadership that's unwilling to take that feedback and then what was the outcome a car that was since called one of the largest flops in gm history never it never had a single year of profitability not a single year of profitability and after five years it was scrapped done for here's the lesson here i mean you got to listen to your customers you've got to follow the insight and 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 more importantly it can't be personal now this isn't to say that feedback you get isn't always bundled in the kindest way. Sometimes you get feedback that is really harsh uh, or, or not even just feedback. Sometimes you just get comments that are really harsh. Uh, I got one the other day. I posted a video and someone commented, you are the least relatable mother effer alive. And I thought, okay, I thought about that. Happy Gilmore. Is it happy Gilmore? No, Billy Madison with Adam Sandler where Billy Madison uh, gives an answer and the person's like, at no point in your incoherent rambling where you have, did you have anywhere close to a correct answer? You're awarded no points and may God have mercy on your soul. And he goes, okay, a, a simple wrong would have been fine. I, I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes people say things that are so like wrapped in emotion that I'm like, hey, just a simple like, I don't like you would have been fine, but neither here nor there. You're getting feedback all the time, right? Sometimes you have to eat the fish and spit out the bones. What that means is you take what you can from the feedback and you move on from it from there. Other times you get feedback from people who aren't your customer. They're not your prospective buyer. I mean, I've had people over the years who've told me things like, oh, you're way too expensive. Um, oh, people wouldn't know people, the things you talk about don't resonate with business owners. Uh, and, and sometimes that's insightful advice. Other times it's actually clued me in to realize, Hey, you're actually not my customer. Like you don't understand what I'm talking about because you're not there yet. It's not anything against you, but you don't conceptually get it and relate with it because you're still trying to make your first sale. Does that make sense? So, and, and, you know, I'm talking a lot about different, like the, the nuance with all of this. I think honestly, what's really hard about this is often we think it's one thing when it's really something else entirely. And so it's like, well, that's not my customer. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. It is your customer. Well, they don't know what you're talking, what they're talking about. No, no, they do know what you're, they're talking about. Or on the flip side, you really lean it. This person told me this and it, it hurt my feelings or it, it crushed me as a business or they told me that no one, you know, I made the comment about, you know, no one buys advertising around this time of year. Or I had someone else who was like, no one's going to buy consulting services. I mean, I could lean into that and it would be pretty desperate. Or I could look at the fact that I've sold more business this month and last month than I have in the history of good advice. So Knowing who to listen to, I mean, I think that's an entirely different skill set all in its own. 
But this isn't the first time we've seen something like this happen. You might remember when the Apple iPhone came out. Well, many of us know before the iPhone, there was the BlackBerry, the BlackBerry, which was considered, and not only the BlackBerry, by the way, I remember my buddy's dad had a Palm Pilot. You know what I'm talking about? You remember the little handheld, like, um, had a stylus, um, just a cool little phone device thing. But you had like the Palm Pilot, um, which, man, wasn't it? Was the Palm Pilot even a phone? Let's look. Palm Pilot. I think it was. Uh, it was a PDA. I'm sorry, guys. You you can just know how old or how young I am. What, what is a PDA? <laughs> I don't even know what a PDA is. I'm looking at this thing. What is a PDA? Personal Digital Assistant. Okay. Interesting. It was like a handheld computer. Okay. I'm sorry. If you're older than me, you're probably like rolling <laughs> at this. I've just never, I'm just like, what is a PDA? I've never heard of this. This is so funny to me. I mean, these are like these things that are like so ubiquitous with society and how we operate. And then 20 years later, no one's ever heard of it. Right. It's like talking about like a rotary phone, right. Or a Rolodex. And it's like, oh my gosh, what, what is this? Or, you know what, like the library, I don't know if they still do this at the library, but because so much is digital now, but you know, the library, you know, back in the day, um, what was it called? The card catalog, I think, but you'd have to look up an author, if you'd find a book, you'd have to look up the author and you have to go through like the card catalog and it would tell you like the serial number or, or what have you of where to find it. And then you would go to that spot. <laughs> it was real. I mean, that I just think like explaining that to someone today would probably sound insane, but I'm, I'm having this moment of like this crisis right now of looking at this being like, what the heck is a PDA? What is this thing? Um, but that was a Palm Pilot, I guess. But, you know, the Palm Pilot, uh, but more specifically, the BlackBerry. So Steve Ballmer, and this, by the way, if you don't know Steve Ballmer, he was a big, uh, big, big wig at uh, Microsoft and uh, pretty well regarded as a pretty incredible business person uh, and an incredible investor. I think he owns the Clippers uh, currently. So and, and which, by the way, this should just clue you into that. Even the experts get it wrong sometimes. Like if you make a mistake, just know that there's people out there running billion dollar businesses who are also making mistakes constantly. It's impossible. No one has a crystal ball, right? Well, so when the iPhone came out, Steve Ballmer was asked, Hey, what do you think about the iPhone? And they laughed about it. They, they, they sort of laughed the interviewer out of the room of like, there's no way people are going to buy that. You know why? It costs too much money. You know why else? It doesn't have a keyboard, which means it's bad for business. So the lack of a keyboard means that no one's going to buy it and use it. And they're, they're cutting out this massive, um, you know, this massive, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, customer segment of people who would use it to write emails, yada, yada, you get it. So here, here is somebody talking about this, what was thought to be an essential element of the product, the keyboard, but Apple did something different. As you know, when the iPhone released, it didn't have a keyboard. It was all digital. You know, you, you know, I always, you know, my thumbs are too big. I would always, you know, mess it up and hit the wrong letters or what have you. But uh, I remember when the iPhone came out, it blew my mind. Like I just, I, I couldn't understand how this thing worked and even came together. But all that to say, um, clearly Apple 
had an insight and leaned into some customer ideas that Steve Ballmer wasn't clear on. Like, understand something. When you're putting this amount of money into a product, Apple didn't guess. Apple didn't, eh, we're just not going to do a keyboard. Like, Apple certainly knew how important a keyboard was to people. What they did instead, though, was they innovated. They likely went to their customers or their ideal customers and said, hey, how does this feel? How does it feel not having a keyboard? What do you think about this? And the rest is history. They leaned into, <coughs> excuse me, they leaned into um, this, this idea of innovation and following what, what customers thought. And this was the number one. In fact, let's pull this up. Let's see here. Um, what year did the iPhone, what year did the iPhone release? Uh, 2007. Okay. 2007 phone sales by model. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Uh, we should probably do number 2008, but the iPhone was number three, uh, in 2007, the year it came out, um, 2008, um, well, man, the 2008, it was actually the razor. That's funny. I remember having a razor, uh, 2009. Okay. Hang on. It's kind of hard to navigate this. Yeah. So it, it actually, it took a little bit of time. It took a few years for Apple to become number one. Uh, and then as of today, let's see market share Apple today. Uh, they're, they're a $3 trillion company. How's that for you? Right. All that to say, you know, you got to listen to your customers. You got to listen to your customers and truly lean into what you're being told. Uh, and, and to balance that against the nuance of, is this even my customer? Is this somebody I, I try to do this all the time. Um, customers who I work with, who, you know, I, I think the temptation is to stroke our own egos, to go to the customers who are raving fans and to be like, Hey, what do you like about that? Well, they're going to like everything they've bought from you several times. Right. I mean, I have a handful of customers who continue to buy from me and I could very easily, um, only talk to those people. I do talk to them to get a sense of, Hey, like, why do you keep coming back? But I think some of the value is found in the customers who don't buy from you. Uh, and I do try to, uh, when customers turn me down, they don't purchase from me, uh, within reason in the sense of like, sometimes people, you realize that someone was not your customer that you wanted them to be perfect example. If you're selling like a $5,000 product and someone is a brand new business owner and they have no money at all, what's they just quit their job. You know, I had, had a freeing thought of like, I'm out of here. They quit their job. They have no cash on hand, nothing saved. There's not a lot of feedback to get from that person when they tell you no. They were always going to tell you no. But the person who could have bought your service and ultimately didn't buy your service, that is where there's some interesting insights. Why did this person not see the value associated with the price tag? And the best part of this is you don't have to guess. You just have to ask, hey, tell me more about that. Tell me, tell me what was it that made you feel like it wasn't the right fit for you? You know, and you don't have to like stalk them or hunt them down or, you know, I'm here to ask you about your car's warranty or, you know, did you know your, your Google profile is not up to, you know, whatever these spam calls you get are, but actually asking like, Hey, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to know uh, what it was about, you know, the product or, 
you know, the price or what have you, you know, having a little bit of that conversation can be really insightful to figure out how you need to continue to innovate your product. Hey, that's all we got for you today. Um, yeah, a little bit, you may have already, already known all about the Pontiac Aztec, but a little nugget in today's history about, uh, what can happen when you don't listen to your customers. So all that to say, thank you for listening to today's episode. Don't forget, we do have our top 10 countdown coming at you. Uh, we're also getting close to the holiday, the big holiday, the holiday coming up, um, part of our holiday season. So as you're thinking about next year, uh, I appreciate you keeping the podcast in mind uh, for one of your go-to resources for good business advice. And again, if you're a first-time listener, hope you enjoyed the show and I hope you come back. So all that to say, I appreciate you. Thank you for those of you who continue to listen and even more importantly, who support the podcast. I really appreciate that. That's today's good advice. I'll see you later.